When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant, join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual Canada's policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, in its 26th year, found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hempresent is author and journalist Joe Dolce, who will join me in about 120 seconds. I am nearing my 100th show here on Cannabis Radio, and it's been my distinct pleasure interacting with so many brilliant and creative individuals that I've had the opportunity to interview. Often in the course of making history, and in the process of proactively changing the future for millions of others to come, the change agents involved in those struggles have had little awareness of the depth and the significance of their actions at that time. They're usually just following their truths. When ordinary people go to extraordinary lengths to correct perceived injustices, they're usually just responding to a general sense of right and wrong and operating out of a desire to make the world or just their little corner of it a little better for everyone else. 100 years from now, If we've not been wiped out by some post-war nuclear winter or collectively fried under an ozone-devoid atmosphere, I think it's safe to assume that prohibition will be long gone and that cannabis will have taken its rightful place as one of the most tremendously resilient and multifaceted natural resources on Earth. The last thing that 99% of the people in the future will be thinking about when they light up, ingest an edible, take a vape hit, or use whatever currently undefined delivery system that may emerge in the coming decades – will be those of us who sacrificed against all odds and at great personal risk to end this insanity that we call prohibition. But most of us involved in the movement to liberate cannabis and its enthusiasts from the Iron Curtain of Prohibition understand the degree to which cannabis can transform our global society. We know what a difference a world of legal cannabis can make for our collective mental, physical, and spiritual health, 
our global economy, our fragile environment, and so much more. We are forging the future today out of the resources that we have to work from. And there have been too many activists, too many martyrs, and too many victims during the century of prohibition to individually honor. But let me take this moment to impart to you how much my own heart swells at the thought of my comrades all over the globe who've declared no I will not accept this injustice. I will not tolerate this tyranny. I will not stand for this insanity. I will take action to resist prohibition, to resist until we turn this policy around. We are far from finished on this journey to justice, but we have come far enough that there are millions of people now seeking to understand this plant that has been so viciously maligned. Many are just discovering the truth about cannabis, and that's why people like my guest today are so crucial to the process of preparing for a post-legalization world. Joe Dolce is the author of Brave New Weed, Adventures in the Uncharted World of Cannabis from HarperCollins. Joe served as editor-in-chief of Details and Star Magazines. He's been a contributing editor at Playboy Magazine as well as Gourmet Magazine, among other achievements. And he's joined me today in the virtual Him Present studios. Welcome, Joe, to Cannabis Radio. Thanks, Vivian. Joe, after several years of relative abstention, you spent four years and traveled over 30,000 miles researching your book, Brave New Weed, after being reintroduced to cannabis in 2012 by a friend. Did you realize during your years of non-use the extent to which there was a global cannabis explosion taking place? And what surprised you most on your journey of discovery? I was completely unaware. And that's what's interesting. People who aren't involved in cannabis, it doesn't really touch their lives. It's like, if you don't drink, are you really thinking about all the wine stores that exist around you? You know, you're not. It's just not in your consciousness. Um, so it, it, it's very easy to live in a world surrounded by, by weed and not have any sense of it, or what's really going on with it. And really, if you're not plugged into it, you don't really understand the medical aspects of it. You don't understand the complexity and the nuance. And what was amazing, I mean, really, Vivian, is how much research and knowledge we've learned about the plant in the last couple of decades, um, since really the late 1980s. I had had no idea of what I was stepping into. Well, you know, I've been a reformer for 30 years now, um, and, and you know, like full-time, and I've had so many conversations with non-users where I had to explain to them, no, you don't understand. Everybody's high right now, all around you. It's everywhere. Because they're like, oh, you legalize pot, we're going to have this is going to be on, that's going to be on. I go, you don't understand. It's already going on. And if there was going to yeah. be a gigantic problem, it would be happening right now. But it's such a non-issue that you can't even tell everybody around you is stoned. You know, it's true and it's not true. Not everybody around you is stoned, but it no, is a no. non. But it is a non. But it is really a non-issue. I mean, it's it, it, fifty million people, and I think in America are using pot sort of on a regular, or semi-regular basis. That's a lot of people. Are, are we really melting down as our society? Well, maybe we are melting down, and maybe our society <laughs> is fraying. But. Is it, is it really because of the weed? Got to remember, the only thing that Americans in red and blue agree on is cannabis, right? It's the only thing they, they both voted for. In I, think, I think the weed might be helping to hold us, hold us together. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the, the, the image of cannabis that's been promoted by the establishment has been that of a highly dangerous, addictive narcotic that will lead to the unwitting, lead the unwitting user down a path of sloth and ignorance and result in addiction, poverty, and disease. Yet the global cannabis culture is largely comprised, in my opinion, of functional, decent, thoughtful, responsible, and even enlightened people. Because I've heard many stories of people tell me things like, my father was a sheriff 
and he was the most staunchly anti-cannabis person in the world. And then he got lung cancer and, and things like that. Yep. And he's had a complete 100% conversion. You, you visited other cultures overseas to research Brave New Weed. What did you find the most remarkable in those travels? I think uh, Israel was so incredible because there's so many smart scientists really working on what the plant is, how it can be used, uh, you know, really trying to figure it out. And they've come a long way. I had no idea that Israel, when I started this four years ago, I had no idea Israel was the capital of cannabis research in the world. And why is that, by the way? It's because our government prohibits research on the benefits of cannabis. So what we do is we, we in large part fund the Israelis to do this work. So how crazy is that we're outsourcing science? It's just madness. It's, and that's, it's, yes. that's one of the things that really confounds you when you start looking at it. It's like the policies are so insane. Um, and you just think that nobody's really paying attention to this. Nobody has put two and two together. I mean, this is an enormous possibility, right? Researching the medical powers of a plant that grows on earth that won't kill you. Think of the possibilities, and, and yet we don't do it. And, and you know, prohibitions cause so much suffering. It's just un needless, uh, you know, just crazy suffering. It just it doesn't make any sense. I I'm going to commit a thought crime, Joe, and ask you to, to ask you to polish your crystal ball and give us a vision of what you think the world of cannabis could possibly look like at the end of this century. Can we even predict such a thing with a vast amount of both known and, and hidden potential that science has given us a glimpse at? Well, there's the good and the bad outcomes, I think. The good outcome looks something like Denver, I think, which is where things are free and people are free to explore and, and, and get what they need pretty easily. Maybe it looks like that in Seattle, too. I haven't explored Seattle as much. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty good outcome. Another outcome that I don't like so much is that uh, big pharmaceuticals come in and they banish recreational, they banish the recreational market, and you have to go to a Walgreens to get your cannabis, and it comes in pills and, uh, and vaporizers, and it's extremely limited and extremely prohibited still, but medicalized. And I think that there's somewhere in between that would be cool, but I think the the over-medicalization of cannabis can be a mistake. I've been very concerned, Joe, that the Trump administration would move to Schedule 2, market that as, hey, we're legalizing medical marijuana, look how compassionate we are, and hand the whole paradigm over to the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and, and we all know, they all, that's, that's, your second, uh, that's your second scenario. Yeah, um, so my, my crystal ball has a couple of different facets to it, I think, Vivian. Uh, and, and yeah, and a lot of people will think that Schedule 2 is a great move forward. But I think what we all know is that the whole thing should be descheduled. It's not yes. a harmful narcotic. It's scheduling is a confusing system that very few people understand. With good reason, it's completely confusing. Um, and and why cannabis is even in it is just a it's just a mistake. Basically, it really is a bureaucratic mistake. History history can tell you that. Sure. Uh, on that vein, we have about two minutes till the first break. You mentioned that you think it's more likely that the pharmaceutical industry will enter the cannabis medical field in a more of a nutraceutical than a pharmaceutical level. Can you explain what you meant by that in two minutes? I would like them to enter on a nutraceutical. Well, nutraceutical doesn't involve all of the crazy and expensive clinical trials. We, we, things like vitamins or supplements are nutraceuticals, so they're less regulated um, and 
a little more prone to experimentation. And I think that's where cannabis needs to live as a plant medicine. It is a plant, after all. This is not something that's being derived in labs necessarily. It doesn't have to be. So I think there's that nice middle ground. And I think a lot of people are really comfortable with nutraceuticals. Um, you know, we all take supplements to a certain extent, um, and not, and we're not afraid of them. They're not as potent, and they don't have such side effects. Well, you know, uh, the reality is that cannabis is not a threat. It's just it's not a health threat uh, in the way that, for example, the opioid uh, drugs are just you know wreaking havoc on our society. And there's such a connection between these two issues. Uh, I just feel very importantly that that cannabis should be maybe the first uh, the, the first offense against uh, intractable pain, and opioid should be the last. I think that's exactly right, by the way. I don't think cannabis is as strong as an opioid, and I'm not sure. No one's ever really studied the difference between them. Um, and uh, there's a lot of evidence that cannabis can help people get off of opiates. So unlike what our attorney general said, he I think he said recently that it was crazy to substitute one drug for another. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually not crazy at all. It actually makes a lot, a lot of sense, especially if the one you're substituting is not addictive. Well, especially right? if it's a herb. Rather than a drug, right? Or a plant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. That's one of the things that I, I, I was quite conscious of when I was writing is that it is it is a plant. And we have to keep remembering it's a plant. Uh, and a drug typically involves pharmaceuticals and synthesis and laboratories. And none of that's necessary with cannabis. You and I both know this. Everybody knows this. Indeed, we do. My guest is Joe Dolce, the author of Brave New Weed. We're going to take our first pause for the cause because there's flaws in the laws here. Word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come right back. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. 
And we're back on Hemp Present with Joe Dolce, the author of Brave New Weed from HarperCollins. Uh, Joe, I, I really enjoy your writing style. Uh, it was, you know, it really made it an easy book to read. You said in 2016 at a talks at Google that you think legalization results in smarter products and smarter users. What did you mean by that? And do you at all think that cannabis helped you become a smarter writer? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, the one thing I cannot do is write when I am high in any way. I don't do anything linear when I'm high. I do all sorts of other things, but not, not sort of work. So no, it did not help me become a smarter writer. Um, I think that when you're educated period, your life is better. And I think when I first started going into dispensaries and learning about the plant right there, you know, like smelling it and seeing it and talking to really smart bud tenders, that was a great experience. Not only was it being like a kid in a candy store, but it was almost like being in a kid in a library too, sort of a mix of a library and a candy store. Like you learn all this stuff that you never knew. And then you see all these products, you know, when you, when I first saw a transdermal patch for pain that was infused with cannabis and cannabinoids, I was blown away. And it was really interesting. I brought one back to my mom, who was about 95 at the time. This is a woman who did not like cannabis at all, right? I was always getting inspected for bloodshot eyes when I was a kid. And I said to her, Mom, you want to try a transdermal patch for some of your pain and depression? And she said, oh, sure. And she put it on. And, and she was so happy. She was singing along to Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> she she hadn't done that in years, you know? And And... My 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 sister, who was taking care of my mom at the time, actually called me up and said, you know, I think we have to take her off the pain patch. And I said, why? She said, well, she's up like dancing around and we're afraid she might fall. And I thought, <laughs> you know, that's pretty amazing. And that's the kind of thing you learn about in a legal environment. You know, you learn what things can do and people uh, recommend things. It's not I mean, I live in New York. New York is the biggest illegal market in the world. It's not hard to get anything here, but it's really hard to learn about stuff. It's really hard to have great conversations or or learn new things when it's when it's not available in front of your eyes. You know what I I, I don't know if you remember that because you live in Seattle, but it's sort of dumb. That's what prohibition means. That's why yeah. prohibition is effective because you can't learn about stuff. Right. Well, it's been an information war as much as anything else, uh, a media war. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what's worse from prohibition, the amount of suffering it's created for people that have been ground under the wheels of the criminal justice system or the amount of suffering that, it, that cannabis could have relieved over the last hundred years. I mean, it's just it's almost mind boggling how wrong and how backward this policy has been. It's been it's like one of the scandals of the century. I would vote that it's worse for all of those people in prison, frankly. I mean, uh, that's just a horrible thing. I think where there's 800,000 citizens currently in our prison industrial complex, 800,000, okay, not 800, 800,000, most of them uh, men of color, and most of them there for possession. And they're in there with and murderers and rapists and thieves and criminals. It's a, a really, you know, we have more people in our prisons than China, and they have something like four times the population. That is because of prohibition. 
Prohibition is one of the things, and, and the fact that they've built all these private prisons is another thing, and then they have to keep them stocked. But but prohibition is a is really a it's a ticket to orange for a lot of people of color, and uh, that that's really criminal. Well, I I know that you don't consider yourself a stoner, and that you come from a very professional background. Uh, were you concerned writing a book about pot, about a stigma of being a pot writer or or cultural association or something like that? Was that a factor at all when you thought about this? It was a big factor, uh, a huge factor, and and it didn't stop me at all. And one of the things I learned, though. <laughs> when I started doing this, I, I wasn't really telling people what I was doing, but you know, I would disappear for weeks at a time and I had to start telling people. So I started telling, you know, my lawyer and my banker and uh, my colleagues and this one and that one, you know, what I was doing. And what I learned is that most of them really like pot. <laughs> and, and if they don't really like pot, they really think it's stupid that it's prohibited and great great conversations came out of that. And uh, it's just amazing on, on how wide of a cross-section pot really does cover. Uh, you just don't see it and you don't think about it because it's not that big of a deal, ultimately. It's really interesting. I've interviewed several authors, Joe, uh, for this show over the last few years, and I must say your book, uh, Brave New Weed, has generated more positive praise and fawning reviews than all of them combined, where I can tell, from Rolling Stone to John Waters to Moon Zappa, of all people. Uh, did, did your publisher make that happen? Did you pursue all those? How did you accomplish that? Well, I asked the people who gave me endorsements because I knew them. Um, so I, I knew Moon and I know John and I, you know, I know Dr. Andrew Wyo and Ethan Nadelman, who runs the Drug Policy Alliance, sure. either through work as a magazine editor or journalist or in writing the book. I met a lot of amazing people. So I just asked them to read it and to give me their feedback. And I was lucky. They liked it and they did. And th thanks for liking it so much. And thanks for telling all the people that are listening to this how much you liked it. That really matters. Uh, but I, you know, I wanted to... I, I'm a reader and I like to read lots of different things. And I wanted to write a book that... That was a good journey also because my journey was amazing and I wanted to share that sense of discovery that every time I turned around I was learning new things and experiencing this mostly in the positive. You know, I had some bad times on weed also, as you know from reading my book. Um, and I wanted to talk about that too, you know, uh, but most of the time I would say 90%. This was an amazing experience of discovery. What more do you want? And I got somebody to pay me to do it. I mean, how lucky is that, right? You know, what I like to tell people is, look, I don't think that pot is a good thing. You know, the plant's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a thing. And it can be used for positive, in positive responsibly, and it can be used irresponsibly. It can produce positive results. It can produce negative results. You know, a, a hammer can be a tremendous tool. It can be a tremendous weapon. Uh, there's no moral uh, you know, you can't put some kind of moral de declaration on this plant. It's just it's absurd. Couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I, I mean, look, a lot of the conversation of the last 40 years has really been driven by a grower and, and stoner culture. And I think props to them for keeping the plant alive and keeping the genetics going and, and you know, doing all the amazing things they've done under a lot of difficulty and duress. 
On the same, on the other hand, though, you know, there hasn't been a space carved out for people who like to just use occasionally or, or just with low dose and stuff. And now that conversation is really starting to happen. And, and it's a great thing. It, it, it's what needs, it's the maturing of, of everything really. And, and, and that's where it's going to be comfortable in the mainstream. You know, when, when you don't have to smoke three joints or do 16 dabs in order to feel like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. You know, actually, if you use a little in different ways, you really know what you're doing because you figured out how to, how to mix delivery systems and how to get what you want, how to design your own high. I think that's a really cool thing. We've got about two minutes left to the next break. Again, you spent years researching your book. Most people don't have that opportunity. In addition to reading Brave New Weed, of course, how does the average American sort through the disinformation and junk science that litters the American narrative to identify what's factual about cannabis, which I believe is the next mega growth industry of the planet? That is a really good question. That's why I spent four years doing it, because I had to read through all of the myth and the misinformation, and then really dig hard to find out what was true and what wasn't. Because you just really don't know at a certain point, right? You don't know. Is it going to cause you lung cancer? Is it going to hurt your brain? What about all those quote-unquote studies? Give you breasts. You know, well, exactly. That's like giving you breasts or lowering your sperm count. Where did that come from? That came from the National Institutes of Drug Abuse that we paid for as taxpayers. And that is crap science. And that sort of stuff has to really be looked at hard and, and dismissed. And, you know, we can laugh at reefer madness and we do, of course, because it's really stupid, but you got to remember in the 1930s, there weren't that many movies out that was paid for by the U S government, that film. And a lot of people believed it. And, 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 you know, one of the sub themes of it was that it was going to cause black men to have sex with white women and you better be careful. So you got to remember also the, the racist overtones of prohibition oh, are yeah. not, are not to be ignored. You know, they were and they're still alive. Yeah, man, of course they are. And, and a lot of that prohibition is, it, it is confounding and the average person is not going to spend four years reading their way through the volumes and volumes of, of crap that's been written. Um, so it's, it's, that's the challenge is that prohibition has been going on for 80 years. Yep. I am talking to Jill Dolce, author of brave new wheat from Harper Collins. We're going to take our final break, come back with our final questions. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present hang loose. We're coming right back. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com. The 2017 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo makes its way back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, April 21st to the 23rd at the Fort Worth Convention Center. Register right now at swccexpo.com slash Texas. Check out over 150 exhibitors showcasing their businesses and the new advances being made in medical and legal cannabis markets. Plus, hear from an all-star lineup of celebrities, 
former football players, medical professionals, and more. Join thousands of curious cannabis consumers just like you at the 2017 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, Dallas-Fort Worth. Last-minute registration is open now at swccexpo.com slash Texas. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present with Joel Dolce. So what's next for you, Joe, and how can people follow your projects? Any new books in the works? Yeah, um, a couple things. I wanted to create a place where people could find a lot of good information in one place. So do you remember the Whole Earth Catalog? Oh, very well. That came, I'm a hippie. That came out in the in the that came out in the eighties, right? So that sort of defined the environmental movement um, when I was younger, and I thought that was a great thing. It was a great compendium, and it kept evolving. It kept getting published year after year and changing. So I'm creating the whole weed catalog. Great idea. Doing, thank you. Um, and I haven't launched it yet. I'm going to launch it in a couple of weeks, and it's called Whole Weed Catalog, and it's uh, going to be published uh, hopefully next year and I, I want really to invite a lot of people to contribute to it um, with solid information so that we have one place where everything is known seen vetted uh, it's not going to be a connoisseur's guide it'll be lots of stuff it, it, it'll be about medical and recreational and and how you make different things it'll have recipes that you can do yourself and you'll learn how to grow yourself it'll just be one of those bedrock places that I think we pretty much should have around right now. And it's going to be a beautiful book. The designer um, is a friend of mine and she's designed all of Nigella Lawson's cookbooks and all of those Adelengi cookbooks, beautiful, beautiful books. And I want it to be something that's beautiful that people will want to have around. So I'm working on that. And I'm also working on uh, to be your competition. I'm going to launch a podcast where Great. I talked. I talked to lots of experts um, about stuff that intrigues me, um, and I think we're going to call that the Brave New Weed. Joel Dolce found at bravenewweed.com. Thank you again for being on Ham Present on Campus Radio. I appreciate talking to you so much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. Take care, man. Thank you. Now, I want to get to a weekly feature of Ham Present on CannabisRadio.com, and that is quote of the week. And that here it is. The trouble with having an open mind, of course, is that people will insist on coming along and trying to put things in it. And that is the late author, English author, Sir Terry Pratchett. That concludes this installment here present on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. And don't forget to email me at hemppresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger and better-looking version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana!
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.